Joy Seekers, it's Dr. Nikki here, and you're listening to episode 18 of the Figuring Shit Out with me, Dr. Nikki Naradin podcast, and really that's what we're doing. Every day we're figuring shit out. It's kind of exciting here in Nome right now. I'm still working in the hospital in my wonderful four-week-on, four-week-off job, and I am finished with my third week here and now heading into my fourth, and this is the week of Iditarod which for Gnome is a very, very exciting week. So the Iditarod is a race, a dog sled race that comes from Seward or lower interior Alaska up through Gnome. It's kind of a commemoration of a serum, a diphtheria serum run that happened, but but kind of the history of dog sledding within this particular area in order to bring well-needed supplies to remote Alaska. So they're trying to preserve the trail that comes all the way from Seward, Alaska to Nome. And we are the end point here. So this little dusty miner town, when I say miner, I mean like gold miners, not necessarily small miner town, becomes the center of a fairly important commemorative race that happens here in Alaska. Now, I definitely have lots of feelings about it. I I'm an Alaskan vegan, as I've said before, which means that I'm uh, an anti-exploitation and also planet-serving vegan, but that is generally in the lower 48. So my thought is, is that if you hunt it and kill it and look it in the eye, I might eat it, but I'm not going to sit in judgment of it. But the other interesting part is that people have feelings about dogs and dogs that are that are being used either for sport or being used to service and whether we need that or not. And here it was necessary. And I decided that I wasn't going to sit in a lot of judgment of it because it, it feels like an easy judgment for me as a middle-class white Jewish woman from New York to come here and decide how somebody should live their life or shouldn't live their life based on their 10,000 years of history. So anyway, the reason why I bring this up is that I actually drove the father of last year's winner, his name is Brent Sass, to the airport because he was in the lead this year, but had to drop out of the race because of some health issues. And they must have been pretty bad health issues because already he was at least three quarters of the way here. So he had gotten through some really rough terrain with his dogs, but also he's a very hardy guy, meaning that he lives off the grid. He's done this race before he's won this race. And for him to drop out means that there must be some pretty significant health things going on. So I am sending my love and best wishes to Brent Sass and his father, Mark, who I drove to the airport, was lucky enough to get to meet. And uh, I hope that you have a speedy and and wonderful recovery. And that's interesting for, for us to think about that. So we usually start off with the commitment. And the commitment is just the, I'd say that the promise of the universe. Like we weren't promised an easy life, but we were promised the potential the possibilities of whatever it is that we might be looking for. And we get to head in that direction always. And that the journey continues and continues and continues and never ends. And not because we're unhappy, 
with whatever the journey is, because part of whatever we're doing is to really enjoy the journey and to know that the journey is the path to figure out how you get to the end point. But every moment of it, moment of it is a learning experience. So there is no failing here. It's a failing forward if you want to even use the word fail. But you're moving forward in the journey and the journey has to be joyous or else you're missing the whole point of life that this is the joyous journey. The joyous journey of difficulties and the joyous journey of whatever else it is that you're looking for. So the commitment is, I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without condition and whatever brought me to this place is just the journey to my present and future self and not the sum total of who I am or who I will become. So there's that idea about judging our past as a prediction of the future. Now, it might predict what our future brings if we don't shift around what we're thinking because our thoughts create our reality. But we do get to decide to shift it, which is very exciting and definitely brings me to the the lesson in A Course in Miracles today. So we're at lesson 17 in A Course in Miracles. And the idea is that I see no neutral things. Now, everything we see is somehow affected by whatever thought we have in relation to it. So we are looking at something with the lens of whatever we saw it with before, even if it's a wall. We know what a wall means to us. Maybe for some people, it means that you bang your head into it. Maybe for some people, it means that you are separated from other people. Maybe for some people, it means that you have pictures and beautiful colors on it. So this idea of no neutral thoughts really makes us believe and trust the fact that we are constantly comparing and judging, that we are comparing and judging to things that we've known from the past, to things that we're taking care of at the present, for ways in which we live our lives. And this, I think, is very hopeful, and I talk about that all the time. If there is some part of our lives that we actually have some power over to shift, that if we can notice that our thinking is never neutral, that it always comes with a lens of where we've been and where we're expected to be in our mind, then we do have the ability to change it so that we're not so limited in our thinking. We're not so limited in our future, that we're not so limited in what we can create and what the possibilities are. So ask yourself, is there another way of seeing this? Because if you can identify even a small way of looking at something a little bit differently, then you're always taking a little step towards the freedom of your mind. And what that freedom does is it gives you the ability to create. It gives you the ability to expand and it gives you all the possibilities for the future. And that's so exciting. It's an amazing thing. Just a couple of of things that I wanted to say. I've been tapping a lot lately because there was this Tapping World Summit that Jessica and Nick Ortner, and I think every other Ortner in the world, because everybody is in on this tap and business, put on last week. And so I ended up doing a lot of tapping. And the tapping I'm doing in the morning is tapping to have a good day, which I really enjoy. Just the possibility of deciding what kind of day you're going to have before you have it. And that's the reason why I say always do a morning routine is that you wake up with a certain perspective, maybe given what happened the day before or what kind of dreams you had or how you woke up or how much sleep you had or whatever else it is. 
And you get to decide if you want another perspective. And I love that. So this is a tapping to have the best day ever. Now you might say, how could you have the best day ever each day? But you can have an even better day the next day, or you could perceive something new, or you can notice something different. There, there is no limit to what kind of good or reasonable day you can have. So I really enjoy the tapping. And the thing that I noticed is that I've been sharing the tapping with a lot of my patients, and I'm finding that the guys are willing to do the tapping. They're not willing to do the thought download and the journaling, and they're not willing to do the meditation, but the tapping, something active, something about doing an active thing that brings about a change, that they have some control over where they're hitting the points. And that I know because of the acupuncture that I do and I study that many of these points are extremely potent acupuncture slash acupressure points and will release a lot of the tension related to whatever feeling that you're bringing up. So you're not only acknowledging where you have feelings, but in a way that you're doing something active at the same time. So a guy would be willing to possibly acknowledge something if they say it as a statement and then are tapping at the same time so that they can release it. And then they're coaching themselves about how to get through it. So I have had an N of two, two people or two guys that have come in and really like the tapping and were not willing to do anything else. All right, so what I'm talking about today, and I've had so many experiences with that this week, but I'm going to share one of them, is how to not make something a problem. So often things become a problem in our minds or in my minds that don't necessarily need to be a problem. So my daughter is in the nationally touring musical, and she came through very close to where we live. We live on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Her musical came to New Jersey. And we have a very, very, very special person in our life that couldn't quite figure out how to get there to see her musical. And the question was, what did anyone make that mean? So somebody decided that this person didn't try hard enough or didn't care enough to get there. And then my daughter decided to remember how much this person loves her and that the reason why she couldn't get there was because of her own internal struggle that had nothing to do with her. So she didn't make it mean that somebody didn't care about them or that try hard enough or they didn't love them enough or they're too selfish or whatever the trope is that you have in your mind that you are constantly reviewing over and over again about why this person did whatever it is they did. So there was the possibility of a problem and then the decision to actually not make it a problem. I feel that way about birthdays too. So there was a woman in my office whose birthday it was and she didn't tell anybody it was her birthday. So when we found out it was her birthday, this is a person that we love, that we really appreciate, that adds so much to our lives and the lives of our patients. Some of us felt bad that we somehow didn't know it was her birthday, that it was our responsibility 
to know it was her birthday. Now, I thought, no, it was actually her responsibility to tell us it was her birthday if she cared about it. So I'm assuming that she didn't really want that much attention on her birthday. So I wasn't necessarily going to feel bad about that or not. And then once we figured out it was her birthday, we recovered so beautifully. We got her some cake and we sent around a card and we did beautiful things. So it was interesting that we were creating a problem that somehow we didn't know it was her birthday. Whereas we could have decided that actually she might not have wanted that and there was no problem at all. And that we actually made an even more memorable birthday by being able to push ourselves into action and do really wonderful, fun things for her birthday. So, so this is where the problem is not necessarily a problem until we create a problem. Everything related to our perspective, our thoughts, the decisions we make about what it is that we're talking about. And I have one other example. I had a, a, a really lovely patient whose son had failed one course in college, a lovely 19-year-old son failed one course. And he decided that there was something really, really wrong there. Now, it sucks to fail a course. I have no idea what's going on. But when I dug a little deeper, I said, what exactly are you worried about? And he was worried about things that were not in the personality of this child at all, like him dropping out of school, which he might do, but then somehow having lots of babies out of wedlock and having five kids that are going to be living with him in the future. Like the future was planned out for the next five or 10 or even 20 years. And it was grim. Believe me, if I had that future in my mind for the reason why my daughter dropped out of school, uh, it would be miserable. There, there'd be no way that I could take over, that, that I could get over it. it. It would just be too daunting, too difficult, and my life would be heading down a little black hole. The truth was, is that his son is not like that. Maybe he was just bored with that class, but he couldn't relieve the negative emotions that were going on in his head enough to actually be curious to ask his son what's going on. There might be no problem there. No problem there. So I have developed, because I love developing ways in which to solve something, at least steps to do that so that you've got a general direction, a grid. You don't have to follow these steps exactly. But I have found them to be helpful. And the people that I work with have found them to be helpful. And sometimes you just need a little bit of a roadmap in what we call life in order to move through, get to the other side and know that other people are with us and other people are maybe a, a little step ahead figuring it out. So feel free to use my roadmap because I really want your lives to go well. The first one is identify what the negative pattern thought you're having about this event. Now, the way you'll know it is that you'll have a thought that will be reviewing itself over and over again. You will be trying to find evidence of it and it will make you feel like crap. And once you realize that you feel like shit related to this thought, then you know that you have a negative pattern thought that has become a chronic recording grooving itself into your mind and then dominating your thinking. And some of your thoughts might be, so let's go, you know, the, the issue that happened with the person that was going to possibly go to the show, like they don't love me enough or I'm not important enough. You're 
looking for evidence, you will be rehearsing this thought. And you will also get everybody else to collude with you on this thought. Try not to do that. Because once you start with the collusion, it just gets stronger and stronger and it snowballs. It becomes huge. And again, it might not be a problem at all. And then if you can, see what the feeling, this is step two, is behind it. Is it loneliness? Is it anger? Is it victimization? Whatever the feeling is, it's usually a feeling related to something that we didn't get when we were young. So most of these pattern thoughts are about things that we have been thinking about for a long time. And now we're finding new and more evidence to somehow corroborate. And it's like we're colluding with ourselves. This thought we have about us being lonely or victimized or unlovable or whatever it is. So you could decide what feeling you would like to have. Maybe relaxedness. Is that a feeling? I don't even know. Maybe something neutral, something like I don't, I, I neutralized thought about that. Maybe curiosity about what is going on with that person. Maybe a little bit of sensitivity to what might be happening with this person that has nothing to do with you. Decide what you want to think. Now, I'm not talking about thinking joy and happiness. I think that's a far-reaching feeling. I'm, I'm asking you to go for the better-reaching feeling. And then pick a thought that you think might be helpful in getting you to that feeling. And again, not necessarily a positive affirmation. I am not a lover of positive affirmations because it doesn't leave you with the feeling that you can believe. And if you don't have a feeling that you can believe, then that thought's not really going to do very much for you. So let's try a different thought. Like they're doing the best they can to keep themselves above water. I'm finding most people are barely keeping their emotional slash daily lives above water. So we can feel a little bit of compassion for them. The other thing is that if we're so focused on that person, we really don't appreciate the people who did show up and who did come and who were there for us and who can show up in that way. So it almost dilutes the wonderfulness by focusing on the negativeness. Step number three, decide if it's a problem or not. Is there any other way you can look at it? Sometimes it's just as simple as deciding. I had made a decision that it wasn't a problem that this really close family friend couldn't figure out how to get there. It wasn't a problem. And even though that seems too simple, you could decide that and then practice deciding that. And then practice some compassion towards this person who's struggling. And then practice some compassion to yourself about how good you feel about what you're doing or whatever it is. The other thing is take some responsibility. This is step four for the solution rather than hoping other people will read your mind about what you want. It's a little bit about the birthday one. If you want people to remember your birthday, then tell them. If you want people to come to your show, then remind them. And they will come or they won't come. Remember, we have no agency over other adults cannot control anybody else's thinking, lives, actions, barely even our kids. And don't make yourself responsible for it. And you know what? Their lives are their lives for whatever reason it is. Most people are actually not thinking what it is we think they're thinking. And even if they, they are, like, who cares? Anyway, so take some responsibility. 
would like from people because at least then you've got a little shot in what you want. If not, all bets are off. You're not 100% for it. And step number five is use these feelings and these repetitive pattern thoughts as opportunities to work on whatever unresolved hurts and emotions that you have. They are going to constantly come up. They will reappear to work on and they're opportunities. Don't, if you can, go off and buffer, make yourself feel better really quickly, do those addictions like I yesterday. Oh my God, I went down a Jenny and Georgia. I don't know if you've watched that Netflix series, but I love it. I went down the rabbit hole of watching that. I don't know what I was trying to not feel, but I actually allowed myself to do that, which is great because normally I don't allow myself to do that at all, but I loved it. And we will be podcasting on my other podcast about that, Mom and Teen Real Talk, R-E-E-L Talk, which is where we talk about really fun teen dramedies. And it's really to help parents and their teenagers talk. I mean, most of them are watching series together, but they're still not talking about the important things. And once you talk about it related to other people and other characters, you don't have quite the vulnerability. So the communication that my parents and their teens are having are like beyond anything I could ever hope for and imagine, which is pretty great. All right. So you got your five steps and I'm going to put them in the show notes and then I'm going to send out a newsletter about them and decide to not make something a problem and see how that goes for you. All right. I love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, everybody, if you want to work with me and really figure shit out, get unstuck and off the emotional roller coaster and heading towards your passion, and I know you can, get in contact with me and let's work together. It'll be worth worth it for the life of your dreams. Okay, you can get in touch with me at Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. Take care. Love you guys.